And we welcome you to the Wednesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. We're spending the first few morning shows of the new year looking back at some of our favorite author interviews from 2023. And here's one of them. Enjoy. We are going to be exploring the amazing world of turtles. Turtles, extraordinary creatures, widely varied and beautiful in so many ways, and also imperiled. In fact, they are the most imperiled major group of animals on the face of the earth. That's just one of a plethora of things we learn about this amazing creature in a wonderful new book, which is called Of Time and Turtles, Mending the World Shell by Shattered Shell. Uh, it is written by my morning show guest today, Cy Montgomery, and uh, further enhanced with the beautiful illustrations of Matt Patterson, who is also my guest today. And together, uh, they're going to tell us the story of how they began encountering literally hundreds and hundreds of turtles, uh, courtesy of some extraordinary people who have engaged in turtle rescue in a number of different places and under various circumstances. And along the way, they learned and in turn teach us a lot about these incredible teacher, uh, creatures, what makes them amazing and beautiful, and also some of the things about turtles that, first of all, make us uh, unlikely to fully appreciate them and also uh, lead to them being so vulnerable, so, uh, so much in peril, especially in this modern world that we have created. And uh, so I'm so pleased that we can have this conversation to talk about their wonderful book. And uh, unlike what I typically do, I am not going to paraphrase their biographies. I want to read them verbatim so you get a sense of these two people and all that uh, makes them so exceptional. So the author, Cy Montgomery, is an internationally best-selling writer of 36 celebrated books for adults and children. To research her work, she has swum in the Amazon with pink dolphins, electric eels and piranhas, tracked snow leopards in Mongolia, and tree kangaroos in Papua New Guinea, and cage-dived with great white sharks in Mexico. She worked in a pit crawling with 18,000 snakes in Canada, was undressed by an orangutan in Borneo, was hunted by a tiger in India. And for her National Book Award finalist, The Soul of an Octopus, communed with octopuses in Aquaria and on scuba and snorkel. She has received a number of different awards. Now I'm paraphrasing uh, her life. And uh, Matt Patterson will go anywhere and do anything to save turtles and to make his extraordinary portraits of turtles and other wildlife as lifelike and compelling as possible. He has pulled giant snapping turtles from the muddy waters of Boston's Charles River, worked with Turtle Survival Alliance experts to protect endangered radiated tortoises in Madagascar, and helped census-rare Hicate freshwater turtles in Belize. He is a founding member of Artists for Conservation and donates many of his paintings and prints to support conservation causes. And now I'm paraphrasing his his illustrations have won awards and have appeared in all kinds of different publications. Cy and Matt, I should add, are neighbors. They live uh, on the same block, essentially, uh, with their respective spouses and pets and so on, but are partners in many endeavors, including this wonderful book published by Mariner, again titled Of Time and Turtles, Mending the World Shell by Shattered Shell. Cy Montgomery, Matt Patterson, we welcome you both to The Morning Show. 
We are thrilled to be on with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So tell us how you two adventurers first met and first began uh, doing such exciting things together. Well, we met about, I think, about six years ago at a art festival in uh, the town next to us. And I had read Soul of an Octopus, so I had emailed Cy, and and I did. We took off from there. We uh, I quickly introduced her to the world of turtles. <laughs> and then, then very soon, I felt some books coming on. So you know, what was so funny though was that um, after having written Soul of an Octopus, which explored the philosophical mystery of consciousness. Um, the next book I want, next big book I wanted to write to devote years to, I wanted to explore the other big mystery in, in um, philosophy, which is time. And who knows about time better than turtles? <laughs> They've been on, on the earth for hundreds of millions of years since the time of the dinosaurs. They survived the asteroid impact. They've survived all these ice ages. And they're long-lived, they are paragons of patience, and I had this opportunity to have turtles as my guide in this exploration just at the moment. We couldn't have known this when we pitched the book, but it was just at the moment when the pandemic was starting and time stalled. Hmm. So this was propitious timing in, in so many different respects, and, uh, and that is a, indeed a, a big aspect of this uh, marvelous book of what you were experiencing along with the rest of us at the time that you were becoming so intimately acquainted with these marvelous creatures. Uh, so, Sai, tell us uh, something about how you first began to be so interested in the natural world and in this wide array of, of creatures. And if we, for instance, looked at your childhood, would we have had a sense that this is where everything was headed? Oh, yeah, definitely. Before, I don't remember this, but before I could speak, but I was starting to walk, my parents, I was born in Germany, they took me to the Frankfurt Zoo. And I broke free of their hands at some point, and they found me in the hippo pen. <laughs> So that might have been a clue that this is where I was headed. <laughs> How about you, Matt, as an illustrator? I mean, f before even uh, talking about being specifically a, an illustrator of wildlife, uh, did you just like kind of general drawing first, and then did somehow wildlife uh, sneak into the picture, so to speak? Or, or did you begin as a wildlife enthusiast who then later discovered a gift for art? Uh, I I love both um, as far back as I can remember. I my dad was a biology teacher, so I grew up always around animals, and we would go out and look for turtles or snakes or fishing, and I loved drawing them, and I loved looking for them, and I just loved animals. So I can't remember an exact moment, but as far back as I can remember, I've, I I love both. And I'm a turtle savant. <laughs> I mean, I just could not believe the stuff this guy knew about turtles, and going out in kayak with him he knew for example that here in new england one of the best places to look for turtles is in trees hmm. we have turtles who climb up into trees and sleep up there hmm. he knew all of these amazing ways of catching turtles and finding turtles it would be like watching a, a magician pull a rabbit out of a hat. He would plunge his arm into the water and come up with a giant snapping turtle. And the snapper often wouldn't even be upset. 
we found these little musk turtles, the ones that sleep in the trees. And he was so eager to show me, like, look, they let out this interesting musk, like a skunk. Well, the, the turtles just would not be upset enough to do it. They felt so calm in Matt's hands. <laughs> it's, it's always fun going out looking for a turtle and, and, and telling someone, smell them. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you mentioned, uh, or is mentioned about you, Matt, in the book is that uh, you were a competitive wrestler. And, uh, and mention is made of the fact that your skills as a wrestler come in handy in the scenario that Cy was just discover, uh, just describing to us. So how, how exactly do, do those wrestling skills come in handy? Well, you know, when you're, when you're grabbing a big snapping turtle, um, wrestling skills, I guess, do come in handy <laughs> to stay, uh, to keep from getting bitten. <laughs> and also the and, weight. And the uh, weight, yeah. They're, they're, there's, I mean, snapping turtles are, are, they can be, you know, huge, and, and, and people think of them as these scary monsters. They're really not, though. They're, they're, they're just like people. Each one has its own personality, and, and we will probably talk about it later, but we met one who is now one of our best friends, and he's, he's a very gentle, calm, wonderful animal. A total gentleman, a real sweetheart, who lets us pet him on the head and pick him up and carry him around. And he's a 42-pound snapper who's probably my age. Wow. He's side range, yeah. <laughs> Size and love. <laughs> I am so in love. Right. So, Matt, uh, what is it about turtles that you find so alluring as a wildlife artist? I mean, apart from the fact that you obviously love these creatures, I mean, that they are amazing in and of themselves, but I suspect you wouldn't spend quite so much time drawing them if there wasn't something about turtles that was, in a sense, visually appealing to you can you pinpoint what exactly that is there, there's a lot of things I, I i mean they're they're amazing animals they, they've been around for over 200 million years they survived the asteroid they're found in deserts they're found in the ocean they're found here in the northeast under ice um they come in all you know sizes and textures and colors and uh, there's something about when you when you look at a turtle the way it it focuses and it and it its attention is just you know fixed on on you or whatever it's doing and they're they're incredible animals. Uh, there's a lot of things that I, I'm I'm fascinated about and, and attracted to with turtles. Yeah, he has really shown me. You know, we think we know turtles. So many of us our age, my age, I'm 65, as is of course Fire Chief. Um, <laughs> so many of us had baby turtles when when we were little. Um, and everyone has seen turtles crossing the road or basking on logs. So we think we know these animals, but we do not know them. We do not know how smart and athletic they are. We do not know that there are turtles who can um, outrun a 10-year-old on the 100-yard dash. Yeah. There's turtles who look like they have six eyes. There's turtles whose shells glow in the dark. There's turtles with, with uh, necks longer than their shells. And there's turtles who can breathe through their butts. <laughs> and there's turtles that can pee through their mouths. <laughs> there's turtles who are like red and yellow and green. They come in colors you would never imagine. There's turtles that can live over 200 years. There's turtles with googly eyes that can move around just just like chameleon eyes. Yeah, and there's, there's turtles with, with prehensile tails that help them climb trees and... Yep. and bushes they're just unbelievable and so beautiful mm. and they're right among us and we don't know mm. and i think at one point you say that that part of the allure is that 
they are familiar to us. I mean, for the reason, Sai, you were just saying, among, among other things, and yet they have this uh, amazing array of characteristics. So there is so much more than, uh, than, there, than meets the careless glance. And the more you explore the world of turtles, the more there is uh, to discover and love. And at one point you write, turtles are unlikely surprising animals. And I guess part of this adventure for you is learning just how true those words are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, soul of an octopus, everyone has seen an octopus in an aquarium, but no one's really seen one in their yard. It wasn't, uh, in a way, surprising that there were shocking things about octopuses. You know, their severed arms can go off and hunt, and they can taste with their skin, and they can pour their baggy, boneless bodies through a small opening. But turtles, to be able to find so many shocking, fascinating awe-inspiring things about a common animal, that is really soul-expanding. And one of the most compelling things that we, that I learned, um, I think Matt already knew this, but as I came to know individual turtles, I began to learn how emotional they are Mm -hmm. and how they do communicate with us if only we learn how to see it and listen. Literally, um, a a paper was just published on this. 50 different species of turtles were tested to see if they communicated vocally. We think of turtles as silent. But every one of those 50 species of turtles was found with special equipment to communicate vocally. They're speaking to us, and they're doing so in voices we can't hear. Mm. And because they're kind of on a different time than we are, We may think that turtles are about as emotional as a pet rock, but nothing could be further than the truth. When you get to know a turtle, there's turtles who want to cuddle in your lap. There's turtles that we've met that will run across the room to greet you. There's turtles who perform greetings by looking at you in the face, jerking their head to the side. There's turtles who do speak to you vocally, but you wouldn't know this unless you spent time with them. And the pandemic, as horrible and deadly and scary as it was, afforded us time to sink into turtle time and get to know these incredible beings. And for that reason, even the pandemic was a blessing. And it allowed us to take a hand at a time that the world seemed shattered by working with Turtle Rescue League to take a hand in mending at a time when everything seemed broken. Mm. And that was very renewing. Mm. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Cy Montgomery and Matt Patterson, who are responsible for a beautiful and illuminating new book called Of Time and Turtles, Mending the World Shell by Shattered Shell. They undertook a concerted study of turtles almost to the moment as uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, descended upon the world and kind of stopped everything in its tracks. And uh, But the work of rescuing and safeguarding turtles went on somehow, and uh, Cy Montgomery and Matt Patterson uh, were there to see all of this uh, in action and actually to uh, be partners in this as well. The book begins with us meeting... Uh, two amazing people who are part of what you just touched on, a group called Turtle Rescue League. 
Uh, tell us, first of all, how you found Natasha and Alexia and, uh, and a little more about this, uh, this undertaking called Turtle Rescue League, of which you became very active participants. We had um, started the year before helping to protect a nesting site Mm -hmm. for five species of native turtles, about 30 minutes drive from my house in Hancock. Back then he lived in in New Ipswich. And there they told us about this turtle summit for turtle rehabilitators that was going to happen at Turtle Rescue League. That was when we met Alexia Bell and Natasha Nowick. And we came away from that as stunned as if we had visited Lourdes because they were showing pictures of turtles that looked like road crayons. Turtles whose, you know, their legs were missing and their shells were smashed. Their eyes were missing, their shells were cracked. It just, it was so horrible you couldn't even look at it. But then they would show you the next slide. It was two years later. That turtle was healed. That turtle, thanks to them, was back in the wild. It was amazing to see how badly injured some of these animals were. And for most animals, they wouldn't make it. But a turtle, a turtle can survive injuries that most animals can't. Turtles are tough. They just need time and they need help. So we felt like we really wanted to be part of that miracle. We really wanted to help. And with so many things facing turtles today... I mean, as we said, they survived the asteroid, the ice ages, but they might not survive us. There's so many threats facing turtles that you really want to step in and help. And so we became volunteers. So tell us about Natasha and Alexia and kind of the the inspiring story of how and why they became engaged in this important work. Well, they were just kind of normal people. They met working at a dress shop, and um, they were on a date one day and saw a turtle trying to cross the road who got hit, and they didn't know what to do to help that turtle. Well, the next time they went out, they decided, you know what? We're going to spend our time together helping turtles cross. Well, then it became more and more important to them to do something to help. And they would try to bring the turtles to veterinarians and wildlife rehabilitators, but you really need specialized knowledge to help turtles. And they also realized that if they brought every injured turtle to their local wildlife rehabilitator, that rehabber would just be overwhelmed. So they went out and educated themselves and they learned from veterinarians at the Tufts Wildlife Clinic uh, here in New England and they learned from other rehabbers and they learned from their own experience. And soon um, the two of them found that the basement of their suburban home in Southbridge, Mass was occupied at any one time uh, with between 250 or possibly as many as one thousand injured abandoned or nestling turtles who they were helping Hmm. i love the line that uh you quote from i think one of them uh how could we change the world for turtles uh and in particular change at least their corner of the world and of course that is is the whole world in a sense for the turtles that that live in that particular habitat. And then you say something a few pages later that I think is so lovely, and I would love to have you expand on this when you said, caring for turtles is more than a job, 
more than a charity. It's a sacred devotion. Uh, how did you see that lived out, particularly uh, in the case of Natasha and, and Alexia and others at the Turtle Rescue League? In what way is this best described as a sacred devotion? Well, one of the things that, that um, Alexia said to me always stuck with me, and she said, it's a good thing my parts don't fit them because I would give them my organs. I would take their pain. And in the same way that you feel that compassion, which the word compassion, as you know, comes from calm, which means with, and passion, as in the passion of Christ, means suffering. You are joining with them in that suffering which sounds like a drag, but really compassion is our way out of despair. And in this way, you know, acting on your compassion, being able to alleviate someone else's suffering because you feel it as important, as urgent as your own. This is the way that lifts us up to a higher plane. At least that's how I feel. And I think that's, that's how Matt, feels and certainly how Alexia and Natasha and the others at the Turtle Rescue League and the other people that we have met working with turtles feels. It is it is a, a holy thing. Whether you're religious or not, it connects you to something bigger than yourself, older than yourself, um, deeper than yourself. We're speaking with Cy Montgomery and uh, Matt Patterson about their book of Time and Turtles, Mending the World Shell by Shattered Shell, uh, in which they not only teach us about turtles, but also take us into the lives of people who are engaging uh, in in the rescue of, of turtles, uh, sometimes on a really staggering scale. Uh, in Chapter 2, I think this is where you first actually enter the domain of the Turtle, Turtle Rescue League, and you, and you write of descending the stairs and detecting the scent of hundreds of turtles. So, Matt, maybe you could describe for us, what does the scent of hundreds of turtles smell like? And is that a scent we would, uh, would welcome into our lives? It, it's, a, it's a scent that, that we love. <laughs> I don't know if everyone would love it, but it, it's uh, it's the smell of of, of, of pond of, of, of wildness. Um, it, it's funny because we we descended into the basement where the turtle hospital is, but now um, turtles have spilled into their living room and they they they're upstairs in, the, in their bedroom and they're they're there's so many they've, they've actually grown even bigger since we we first started. But um, the smell of the scent of turtles is is a wild scent. <laughs> it's like the scent of a summer pond. And if you've had wonderful summers spent on ponds with the dragonflies skimming over and all of these beautiful flowering plants and lily pads and frogs and and it it just it it evokes this whole sensory experience. Hmm. So, tell us more about that first visit uh uh, to this uh, turtle refuge and uh, and some of the turtles that you got to meet that very first day. Turtles who had wonderful names <laughs> attached to them. Uh, we met Pizza Man. Uh, he is a red-footed tortoise. Uh, that species is from South America. And he marched straight up to us, and he's very personable. 
um, he looked he looked at us right in the eye and stared at us with his little red face. Um, we met Sprockets, who is a, a Burmese mountain tortoise, who has a, a really interesting story. He was a he was abandoned and he was left in a park, right? Yeah, it was yeah. In, a, in a box of you know of, of computer paper that used to have you know used to move by those Sprockets. That's why they named him that. And he's he's. Uh, very, I mean, each turtle is has their own personality and, and is an individual. And we met our favorite turtle, uh, Fire Chief. Yeah, boy, that was really something. Turtle. He was so huge. I I swear. First of all, he was on. He was in a hospital tank. Um, Fire Chief had been hit in 2018 by a truck when he was crossing from his summer pond to his winter pond. And and he he lived behind a fire station in a fire pond, which is That's why, why they called him fire chief. And the firemen, who are so brave that they run into burning buildings to save people, they knew this turtle, they loved this turtle, but he was a forty-two pound snapping turtle. They were scared to pick him up. So a Samaritan actually called Turtle Rescue League, and these two skinny ladies come rushing out of there. One of them blind. Yeah, one of them blind, <laughs> and they save the turtle. So they bring him back, and this was before we knew him. This happened in 2018, as I said, and we actually began volunteering there in early 2020. And um, by that time, his cracks in his shell had healed, but his legs and tail had been paralyzed. They were starting to wake up. And when we first met him, we saw Natasha feed him a banana. And my God, this enormous head that looked like the head of a crocodile. I swear I thought, thought it, was it was as big as your thigh. I know it wasn't, but <laughs> it, it wasn't. looked that way. Just comes lurching out of the water and murdered that banana, which of course had the skin on and everything. It was like, jump. And I thought, wow, this guy is magnificent. But I had no idea that later I would be picking him up and petting him on the we head. Feeding, we feed him. I mean, he he's... He's a snapping turtle, but he's so gentle and he's he's so friendly with us and knows us and we feed him by hand and yeah, we, we feed him little things by yeah, hand. Something and we, um, we scratch his face and we <laughs> He'd never bite us. He he won't bite us. Hmm. And we met other patients who had gone through incredible disasters, catastrophes. One was named Chutney. And Chutney was also a snapper, not a huge snapper, but pretty big. And he'd actually had a brain concussion. And because of the brain concussion, he didn't know which which end was up. Well, turtles don't like to be upside down, but he thought upside down was right side up. So he kept flipping himself upside down. Well, he'd also, during the brain concussion, he'd broken his jaw and Alexia had to reset it. Well, every time he used his head to flip himself upside down, which he thought was right side up, she had to reset his jaw. So they had to come up with some way to keep him from flipping over and over and over. And they came up with putting him inside this plastic pitcher. The chutney tube. Which had a kickstand, which was a handle. So by the time we met Chutney, his brain had healed. He was no longer in the chutney tube. And we actually were present for Chutney's release much later that season. And we, we met a turtle, um, we called him Mr. Pajamas. He was, a, he was an uh, endangered spotted turtle, and he had been chewed by a dog, I think, right? And so much of his carapace was missing. It kind of, we call him Mr. Pajamas because it looked like he was he was in his pajamas. But, um, <laughs> Undressed. But his shell was, was filling back in, and it was healing. And he, we released him, I think last year we released him. Yeah, he so was fine too. There were so many turtles that you would have thought had no chance 
but they did survive. We've touched thus far on what I think a, a lot of us already have some awareness of, the fact that because turtles move so slowly, they are often moving slowly across highways and, uh, and so often get struck by cars. And um, you've also touched on the, the sad phenomenon of, of when someone will abandon a pet when something happens or they've moved or they just don't know what to do or they're overwhelmed or whatever. But, but pets that have been abandoned and, uh, and, 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 and need to be rescued. Uh, something we've not yet touched on and you, you do explore this in your book, and we should talk about it at least for a few moments, is another reason why turtles are so embattled and imperiled right now. At one point, you write, turtles are a red-hot commodity in the ruthless world of the illegal wildlife trade. Tell us more a little bit about this unhappy reality and how that uh, folds into the importance of groups like Turtle Rescue League. Uh, well, turtles turtles are poached um, for for a lot of reasons, but but the biggest, the most uh, uh, dangerous is is uh, illegal pet trade, and turtles are taken from the wild and sold. And it's 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 hard if you take a turtle from the wild, like for instance a wood turtle. Um, it will, that wood turtle will lay hundreds of eggs in its lifetime, and maybe only one will grow up to be like a breeding adult. So taking one turtle from the wild is so devastating to the population, and turtles are are targeted. Uh, there's a lot of groups like the Turtle Survival Alliance who focus on protecting turtles around the world. And Matt actually um, went to Madagascar, um, where s- some of the biggest confiscations of illegal turtles have taken of, of place. Of radiated tortoises. There was a confiscation in 2019, I believe. Um, I think it was 2019, and it was a little over 10,000 turtles were found in this one house, uh, radiated tortoises. Then six months later, there was another, another confiscation of 7,000. Yeah, so, in some cases, they find more turtles who have been poached than they even knew still existed in the wild. And so they talk about the Asian turtle crisis. In Asia, it's as if a giant vacuum removed most of the turtles. And so now to feed this illegal trade, which is mostly for pets, but also turtles are being sold for their meat. They're being sold for their shells. They're being sold for phony elixirs that don't work, for medicines that do not work. Um, Now, poachers are coming to North America, which native people called Turtle Island, because here in North America, we have more turtle species than any other continent. But that could change if this deadly trade comes and vacuums all of the turtles out of our ponds and streams and oceans. And it's it's happening, um, and people don't even realize it. You do tell a really gratifying story of uh, something that occurred with the Burmese star tortoise. Uh, You call it a success story uh, in which not only were these particular uh, creatures rescued, but the way in which they were reintroduced back into the wild was done very, very carefully uh, in the hopes of of discouraging any would-be poachers from, in a sense, re-poaching them. Do you remember the story I'm talking about? 
Yeah, yeah, we, we remember that. Um, the, these tortoises were were functionally extinct in the wild, and um, Turtle Survival Alliance, along with some other groups, um, bred them, worked uh, with this breeding program to to breed up a bunch of tortoises and then release them back into the wild. And they had um, Buddhist monks tattoo on top of the carapace, top shell, symbols to to scare off poachers. So they released these tortoises back into the wild. And, and it's, a, it's a great success story. Um, they, yeah. And the Buddhist monks also blessed the turtles and had the community come out and watch them bless the turtles. So, you know, everyone got to be a part of that su- success story. And it, and it wasn't just, you know, a, a bunch of foreigners telling local people, no, 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 you can't have your favorite flavor of turtle soup tonight. <laughs> um, instead, <laughs> it, it was like, let's all join hands and bless these turtles. I mean, one of the reasons that that these turtles are popular pets is that people do respect turtles and they do understand that they live a long time and they want to embody some of these aspects of turtles. One reason that they're thought to, to be good medicine is, oh, you know, I want to live to be 100. I want to look as good as, as I did when I was 17, when I'm 94. Maybe if I eat a turtle, that'll happen. Well, it's <laughs> not going to happen. You're just going to kill a turtle. But to be able to harness that natural respect and love that I think people do have for turtles and turn it for good. That's why I think that's such a feel-good story. I love that Sai wants to look as good as a turtle. (laughs) 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 We're talking with Sai Montgomery and Matt Patterson about their wonderful new book called Of Time and Turtles, Mending the World Shell by Shattered Shell. One of my favorite passages in the book is in Chapter 6 where you recount Sai, what it was like for Matt to take you to a place called Turtle Cove, a lovely place where all kinds of turtles could be found. But in the course of telling this story, you also make a point of reminding us that that in your book, do you never give very much in the way of specific information about turtle nesting sites? And this circles us back to the unhappy topic we were just talking about, that that uh, if people know where turtles are nesting, the wrong kind of people might come along and, uh, and, and prey upon them. So, so you are secretive in the best sense of the word when it comes to, uh, to, to turtle nesting sites. Matt, tell us a little bit more about Turtle Cove, why you love it so much, and uh, the kind of things you and Cy were able to, to, to see there uh, if you were patient enough and looking carefully enough. Yeah, Turtle Cove is in a in a river that I've I've grown up kayaking in, and it's this secret little cove. Um, the best time to go is in early spring when there's less vegetation, so you can see into the water. And I took Sai there, and I always see snapping turtles, um, usually in the mud, kind of half out of the water basking. Uh, we see musk turtles, painted turtles, and that's where we found a musk turtle, and that's where we were trying to make them smell so she could smell a musk turtle. Um, <laughs> But it's just, it's a really wonderful place, and it's quiet, and you're with nature, and you're surrounded by, you know, um, dragonflies and frogs and turtles and snakes. I've seen snakes and in, in, uh, two water snakes in a tree there once, and um, I, I love just going there and sitting and observing and watching. And 
And it was great taking Cy there. And it was great going there during the pandemic. Because, you know, remember, we were all so scared. We had no idea what this weird contagion was. We had no idea what was bringing it to us. We had no idea. There were no vaccines. Um, we There was no, no medicine. Um, we just didn't know what the future was going to hold. And we were afraid of gathering with people. So to be able to go into nature, into this great green and blue cathedral and be surrounded by eternal time and just free ourselves from all the the horror and sorrow of the pandemic and of the political division that was wrecking our country and the racial unrest and and remember too that summer australia was on fire california was on fire it just felt like everything was falling to pieces and to be able to be in a place where the world still felt whole was an enormous blessing mm-hmm. at one point in the book in exploring some of the uh, in- interesting characteristics of turtles um, you talk a bit about egg development and how egg development for at least most turtles is, in your words, a delicate process where uh, just the position of the egg itself can make the difference between life and death. Just uh, explain a little bit about the delicacy of this of this process and why it is so important for those who want to rescue turtles, turtles to be uh, observant of, of such matters. Egg development is a delicate process. Uh, a lot of species of turtles, most species of turtles, the uh, the sex is determined by temperature. So just one or two degrees difference will determine like male or female, which is a climate change is a huge problem with that. Um, but yeah, when an egg is when they lay an egg, um, turtle lays an egg, uh, that egg has to be in that same position. If you remove that nest or put them in an incubator, um, you can't shift the egg. You can't you can't turn it on its side. Yeah, and you can't have it be jostled by somebody digging it up. You've got to keep it in exactly exactly that position. And then these, these beautiful little delicate like uh, snapping turtles are like little ping pong eggs, uh, ping pong balls, and you know painted turtles and other turtles are oval, but they're they're these delicate little things, and uh, it's just holding one is. Yeah, it's amazing. And so many turtles, you know, for for decades, they've been nesting in the same place. And now there's a parking lot. So a lot of turtles will lay their eggs on the edge of a parking lot. Well, we would get calls about these because it's going to be too hot. Those eggs are going to fry. And plus the babies, the minute they come out, they're going to get smashed by a car. So we would often move those eggs, but we'd have to get them right away and we'd have to handle them so gently. And I remember the first time I did it, oh my gosh, the gravity of the situation of holding in your hand an an, an egg that had the potential to be someone who'd lived for a hundred years. But if you wrecked it, someone who could live a hundred years or more was going to die. It was very moving to be able to hold in your hand that egg but also very scary and you know in the wild 
most turtle eggs actually get predated. Many of us see um, turtle eggs, empty turtle eggshells outside of a nest, and we think, oh, good, those baby turtles hatched. Well, if you see the eggshells outside of the nest, it means those turtle eggs were dug up and eaten by a predator. Mm -hmm. And everyone eats them. You wouldn't believe it. Trees eat them. Hmm. Trees will send their roots to suck the moisture from turtle eggs and kill them. Ants will eat them. Um, Snakes can eat eggs. Um, Birds, I mean, everyone's after mammals. Everyone's after And when they hatch, they have even... A whole another gauntlet to run because the chipmunks will eat baby turtles. Oh, it's so uh, horrible! They frogs will eat them. Like we were releasing baby turtles, and frogs, a uh, bullfrog, jumped into our hands and was trying to eat the turtle that we were trying to release. Mm-hmm. So fish will eat them. You know, everything's after turtles. They they really have the odds against them. So mm-hmm. every turtle who does hatch is a miracle, and every turtle who gets old enough to lay eggs is a super miracle. Yeah, totally. It's a special thing. We I mean we held. Um, at the Turtle Survival Alliance's uh, Survival Center, we held an egg from a turtle that was extinct in the wild. And I mean, what a responsibility they have to to handle that egg and to, to incubate them and to work with that species. It's... And even to know, like, what does this animal, what do these eggs need to survive? Some of these animals are so rare, they're no longer in the wild, so you can't study them to figure out Hey, what do they eat? What's the substrate into which they lay their eggs? What temperature do they need? You know, mm. what's the the moisture content of the air and the soil? They didn't know. And often before the turtles that they had in captivity would breed, they might take 10 years just to get used to living in captivity, much less breeding. The patience required of these people. But thank God the people who work at places like Turtle Survival Alliance, they have terrific teachers, turtles. Hmm. And you uh, just used the word uh, patience uh, to describe a lot of these folks who, who work with turtles. And, of course, that takes us back to what you were talking about early on, uh, the way in which turtles help us rethink the whole notion of time. At one point in the book, we read, Everything takes a long time when we're talking about turtles. And, uh, and so much of what they do uh, takes them a long time. And for us to observe them and to, in a sense, live with them, it takes a, a long time. Uh, in our closing minutes, just uh, share a couple of your, your favorite thoughts in terms of time and turtles and maybe what turtle time is all about. I I feel like turtle time is our evidence of promises fulfilled and it's evidence of a reason for faith. It's also turtles teach us that focused attention has tremendous value. And this is something we're losing in our society now when we're always twitching and looking at our devices and, you know, we, our attention is, atomized i mean it's like a spray (laughs) but a turtle looks into your face or looks at the worm they're gonna eat and it is like a laser focus that is so wonderful you know they it's it's been said by a lot of wiser people than than myself that attention is prayer um paying attention to our world is our way of of 
worship. It is our way of experiencing awe. And awe is what connects us to eternity. And turtles, I found, connected me to eternity at a time when the clock and the calendar no longer meant a thing. And the clock and the calendar are back in my life now. But I also have eternity, thanks to the turtles. Hmm. Matt? Connecting to turtle time is is like cyclical time. It's seasonal time. It's not a straight arrow. It's a renewing, you know, every every season. And it's it's it was really this whole um Living these stories in this book was such a wonderful experience. Um, yeah. Well, the book is full of, of wonderful stories of rescue and uh, in many cases of release into the wild. The book also includes some some rather heartbreaking stories, and uh, and we get a sense of, of, of what it means, the emotional cost of caring about these creatures, some of whom... Uh, cannot be ultimately saved. Uh, your book also introduces us to a whole host of other memorable characters who are involved in this uh, really uh, important work. And uh, you even take us on a, a special expedition uh, for saving sea turtles, which of course presents a whole plethora of, uh, of issues and challenges all its own. Um, and at the end, we come away with uh, a renewed understanding of just how beautiful turtles are. And that's thanks uh, not only to Cy Montgomery's wonderful writing, but also to the beautiful illustrations of Matt Patterson and, uh, and some really interesting photographs that are also part of this great book. The book, again, is Of Time and Turtles, Mending the World Shell by Shattered Shell, uh, published by Mariner Books, and uh, the author, Cy Montgomery, and again with illustrations of Matt Patterson. Cy Montgomery, Matt Patterson, what a great pleasure to talk with both of you. Thank you for sharing uh, so generously of your time, your passion uh, for these beautiful creatures, and uh, uh, thank you for being part of The Morning Show. It was wonderful to talk with you about your great book. Joy. It was a joy sharing this stuff with you. Thank you so much. Thank you.